Father, we do come before you tonight and we thank you, Lord, for your word, for this time together, for each of those who are able to be here. And we pray, Father, that you'll continue to unfold your word to us, reveal yourself to us in every way. And I thank you, Lord, that as we continue to seek you, that we will we'll find you. We'll find you in your word, we'll find you in the spirit, and that you will reveal yourself to us in every way. Thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we're going to do Titus 3, and then next week is Philemon. Philemon is only one chapter, and then that's it? Is that Can that possibly be it for the fall? Because I thought, does anybody have a schedule on them? The, the, the schedule that I handed out? You have it? So what's left? Well, we've got uh, Titus today, and then Philemon 1 through 13. Oh, we were, is that what I did is only 1 through 13 on the... Yeah, and that's May 13, and May 20th is 14 through 25. And then that's it. So only three weeks left. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. When is our, our last... 20th. May 20th. May 20th. Yep. So, and I think Pastor Kieran is on that same is on that same schedule. So, so Titus this week, half of Philemon next week. Now, next fall, we are going to do something just a shade different, and I want to talk to you guys about that also. In that, on Wednesday nights, we are actually going to beef up Wednesday nights, and we're going to have multiple classes going on with multiple teachers and so we have not solidified the schedule yet but we will through the summer we'll actually get a solidified schedule and then um advertise it and let people know when when things are happening so on and so forth but beginning in september i'm going to do a four-week class which, which we're going to call uh RVCC 101. So it's kind of an introductory class talking about what our church is, the vision, the, you know, how things run, you know, yada, yada, philosophy, uh, core values, that kind of thing, but introducing the church to new, to new people. But also starting in September will be a, uh, class, uh, if you've ever heard of Alpha, have you ever heard of the Alpha course? It looks like we're going to have an Alpha course running for 13 weeks, um, starting in September, um, as well as other possible classes coming up. And then after my four weeks, then we will be doing, um, I will fill that in the rest of the fall with either uh, more New Testament books, um, or other classes. Um, one of the things that I think that Wednesday night would be a perfect night to do um, the doctrine and having that run. It's we have we have twenty or we have thirty three weeks in of Wednesday nights through the whole year with some you know uh, Wednesday nights when school is out we won't have class. Uh, Thanksgiving the night before Thanksgiving we won't have class. Uh, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, kind of, we won't have class, um, things like that. So there are a number of times when we won't have class, but when we will, there'll be 33 weeks. And so 
we're going to have a class in the youth room, we'll have a class in the prayer room, and we'll have a class here in my office. And it won't be, <clears throat> it doesn't have to necessarily be me in here, I could be somewhere else. So we'll have a number of things going on, and we're also going to be beefing up the uh, children's classes and more things going on, uh, more children's classes available, different ages, things like that, because hopefully more people will take advantage of Wednesday nights and um, what's going on with all the extra classes. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that, but we, we will be coming back with New Testament classes in the fall, um, but not right away in September, probably starting in October or thereabouts. Just give me a rough idea of what this alpha is. Alpha is a, is a class. helping with the sound, by the way, in case you're wondering where I went. Debbie is helping with the sound. That has been announced. Um, alpha is a class that answers the basic questions of Christianity. Um, kind of like uh, doctrine, but not as in-depth. Not as in-depth of what we did. So they'll, ask, they'll answer questions, what is God? What does born again mean? What does being filled with the Holy Spirit mean? And you know, do the teaching in each one of the areas. And I think it's 13 weeks, if I remember right. I've never actually gone through it. But uh, we have some families in the church who have gone through it and have, have actually led it uh, in different places. And so I'm going to, I've been listing them and, and asking them to pray about teaching that uh, in the fall. And then in the spring, we'll do Freedom in Christ on Wednesday nights also. So there's a lot of different things that'll be going on. And it'll be more of a variety, um, it'll be more a diverse. Uh, stuff which will keep it more interesting, I think, for people, uh, and give some of our other folks opportunity to teach and lead, uh, which is good. That's 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 very important. Um, there will be other classes, like one of the classes uh, that I'm actually very excited to see how it works for people is actually a speech class, which I know that just strikes terror into the hearts of uh, most people, but it'll be a speech class based on using the Bible as the text. And so it'll be putting together uh, messages using Bible. So it basically, it'd be a sermon class, teaching, you know, but that'll be taught by Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones wants to, to lead that and to teach that. So just some very diverse things, some, some, uh, some above and beyond what we've been doing on Wednesday nights, uh, desiring to beef that up and... Uh, and get more classes. We'll be doing marriage classes. We'll be doing child raising classes. We'll be, um, you know, a little bit of everything. So the the alpha is really just answer, answer answering the the basic questions of Christianity, and it's a fantastic way if you know somebody who's not a Christian to introduce them to Christianity because that's. That's really what the course is for, is to be used as an evangelistic tool. Um, and it answers questions. It answers people's ba basic questions of, um, I don't know what this Christianity thing is all about. You know, explain it to me. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a discussion-based curriculum rather than a preaching-based, you know, 
of it, why he's from. He has a friend that's kind of wondering about Christianity. Be perfect, yeah. And that's and, and, at, and, and that will be a class where everybody who takes a class, they get to eat a meal together every night. So there's there's lots of variety of you know lots of it'll just be kind of fun. It'll be a, it'll be a neat way to to do some different things. So that's what we're doing in the fall. Uh, but you'll hear much more about it through the summer as we beef it up, and we should talk because we'll figure out how to do that. That that could be a class that just runs continuously through the winter uh, every Wednesday night. So because um, I think there's I think there's close to thirty classes. Twenty-seven right now. Mm-hmm. And there will be more that we add to it this year um, because uh, there's a few topics. There's a number of topics that I want to touch on this year that I'm building towards, and then I'll teach a doctrine on. You know, one of them being healing. Um, what What do we believe? What does the word say about healing? And and talking about the the stuff we know and the stuff we we have questions about. And what, what the hard part? Why? What happens when? Why? What's happening when somebody doesn't get healed? I mean, and that's why I'm taking my time on it because I don't have, I don't have good full explanations yet that I feel comfortable saying, okay, this is what we really believe. I mean, I know what I believe. I know what I believe, but to articulate it uh, concisely is is very important uh, before. Before I try to put it on tape and or tape, jeez. Thanks, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. I, I, I'm stuck in that, <clears throat> stuck in the seventies. Um, so yeah. All right. So tonight is Titus, and okay, who's Titus? Real quick. He's a leader in the church. Yep. At Crete, yes, an island. What a gr- what a great place to be a pastor on the Isle of Crete. That'd be awesome. And he deals with the doctrine. Yep, he's having to deal with doctrine. Um, uh, Paul is telling him what kinds of things need to be taught, and we'll see that even more so here in Titus three. He talks about more things. Uh, what is what's the church like in Crete? What are the people like? <laughs> Yes, kind of like Wisconsin. That's true. Kind of like, kind of like, uh, kind of like Packer fans, right? Oh. <laughs> Except for liars, we speak nothing. <laughs> so, all uh, right. Uh, so, who put Titus there in this church? Paul. Paul. So, who's writing this book of Titus? Paul. Paul. At least that's, it's his words. We don't know if somebody else, and we'll find that out here. Uh, nope, doesn't tell us who, if there's anybody else who is actually putting pen to to the paper. But it's it's definitely Paul's uh, words, his thoughts, his, his teachings. Yeah, it doesn't say that somebody else is doing the writing, which many times it will say that. Usually so. Paul's, Paul's missives say, He's actually writing it. He says, I call I'm writing this with my own hand. Mm-hmm. So. Do you know if there's any of these lying around anywhere? Yes. In the house? Yes. Where? Upstairs. In the uh, 
locked, not the locked, but the, the second storage room where your files are at. Yeah. There's boxes of stuff up there. Yeah. And there's colored ones of those, colored cabled. So they're like, they're, they, those are made for us. Yeah. That one was made for us by the company who installed it. Yeah. There are other ones up there that are that come that came with uh, different uh, hardware that we've gotten. There's some up there okay. that are brand new that have never been used. Okay. Yeah, you're you're gonna have to dig for it. That's why I'm hesitating. Because I would have to dig for it, but at least I know kind of what I'm looking for. All right. So sorry, that was a commercial for wires in the storage room upstairs um good so paul sends sends titus to crete to be the pastor there it's not an easy gig but bottom line titus is just what telling him what kind of stuff to teach what what should you what should you be teaching people and as a pastor this actually is a good guideline of things that need to be taught in a in any situation so see that the the idea tonight is as we go through this does any of this apply to our lives today is this something that could be taught or should be taught in uh at rvcc in 2015 all right chapter three verse one remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready for every good work to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show respect or to, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Okay, so we'll stop there. Does that apply? Does any of that apply to you? No. Let me ask it a different way. Does that any of that apply to anyone who's sitting near you? No. <laughs> Wise man. No, of course not. Could that be? Could those first four verses be taught? In any, not in our church, obviously, no, not to our people, but could it be taught, say, at oh, Rock Point? No, I'm just kidding. I shouldn't say that. Just kidding. Submitting to the government—that's hard to do. Yeah. Because you know a lot of the things that are wrong that mm-hmm. they're doing, and mm-hmm. uh, but, but it says to do it anyway. Submit yeah. Submit to the government. Mm-hmm. Submit to authority. Yep. Right. To be submissive to rulers and authorities. Yeah, that's that's hard. Americans don't like to submit to authorities and to rulers. Uh, we have a, a history of rebellion in America. Uh, our nation was actually birthed in rebellion, and I and I have my 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 thoughts, my philosophy, my the way I, the way I look at life makes me wonder if that's not why we deal with a lot of what we deal with today, is because it it. it was birthed out of rebellion. Now, we could argue it was good rebellion, but is there such thing as good rebellion? Is there Was there a different way it could have been handled? I don't know. So, the idea to be obedient, to be ready, all of those things are, are good things for us to do. Um, interesting. I have a very good friend. 
Um, she was actually Deb's best friend for years. Uh, we just don't see her anymore. She, she and her husband moved to Chicago. But she grew up in Korea and um, lived in Korea uh, past high school, then went to college in Iowa, then finished uh, her undergrad and or did she finish her undergrad in Korea? She might have finished her undergrad in Korea, but she did her master's and doctorate in Iowa. So her whole family had moved over here. And so she knew both cultures very well. Had lived had lived in both places, had, had grew up in that culture, but also spent a lot of time in American culture. And so we had some... Re- and, and her actual degree was educational psychology. She taught um, uh, multiculturalism at the college level, which was hilarious because here she was, a Korean woman, uh, teaching multiculturalism at the college level, but she was also a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, conservative. And so much of what she taught... I know. I know the the multiculturalism class uh, that I took in college was uh, I was wrong because I was white and my parents were white and everything. You know, we we always had we were always uh, uh, had the benefit of everything, and that just because of that I should just sit down and be quiet and and don't you know just take a back seat, which is absolutely hilarious because the professors that would say those things to me didn't realize that my grandfather grew up on the Indian reservation and was arrested during the 1940 uh, Teamster strikes because he was the darkest person in the crowd and charged with murder. Um, and so they were being, they were being uh, judgmental and, and, and uh, racist uh, without knowing any history. I mean, it's, that's, it was always hilarious to me. But so young, this, this uh, professor... Um, would teach multiculturalism from a from a conservative background, and she could get away with saying some things uh, that nobody else could get away with. It was awesome. Uh, she could say, you know, that what uh, are stereotypes true? Are stereotype are stereotypes true? Well, of course they are. They are true. They're they, they're based on a on a portion of truth. Now, are they right? Are they good to make stereotypes? No, of course not. But they're, they come from a basis of truth. They come from reality uh, somewhere down the line. It, 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 they, people didn't, you know, when, when people pick on somebody, when they tease Polish jokes, okay? I mean, I, here's the other thing. My, I'm, I'm, I'm almost half Polish. So growing up, I heard every Polish joke, but nobody knew I was Polish. I didn't tell them I was. So, you, but you hear these jokes and I'm, I'm, I was never offended. I don't know why we're talking about multicultural. I don't know. Other than she taught it. The reason I'm telling you about her was this. She, we, we had lots of discussions about American culture versus Korean culture. And this is one of them. One of the discussions we had, be submissive to rulers and authorities, be obedient, uh, to be ready for every good work, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, uh, show perfect courtesy toward all people, um, because we were all once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, so on and so forth. And she said, you Americans are so independent. If the leader says, we need to go this way, 
everybody questions it. She said, in Korea, if the leader says, we all need to go this way, everybody goes, okay, and they all do it. They don't question leadership. And, and she goes, I don't know what it is about Americans. Why, if the leader says, we need to sit down and talk for 30 minutes, three quarters of the room will stand up and start arguing. And she goes, why is that? And that's where I've actually came up with part of my philosophy on why there's rebellion in America is because it was built in, re- in, in rebellion. And also the whole John Wayne uh, phenomenon. You know, I am independent. I, you know, uh, uh, the, the West was won by independent people being independent, doing what they wanted to when they wanted to. Um, it, it's, it's all the way through our culture. You know, being democratic too. I mean, a democratic society. Uh, democratic from the respect that everybody has a say. Yeah, everybody. Freedom of speech. <clears throat> freedom of speech. Um, freedom of speech. The the Constitution. Every man is created equal, um, and has a right to this. Has a right to that. Has has all these rights. In Korea, they would never talk about individual rights. It's always the betterment of the community. That's, it's always society, the benefit of society by our actions. And we don't talk about that as a whole. George Washington would put his hands if he was living today. <laughs> In what's happening, what our country, oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's the old saying that the, the founding fathers' muskets would be red hot by now. Just to see what's going on. But... And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Um, should we really be that way as a society? So here, submiss- submitting to authority, be respectful, uh, so on and so forth. In the churches in Korea, if they say, okay, we're all going to go on a 10-day fast, guess what everybody in the church does? <laughs> they go on a 10-day fast. They just do. They don't ask questions. They don't... They don't they don't argue. I think there's some things lost with our society. Um, I think it's gotten more more so that way too. And even when you you asked about the democracy, actually, our form of government is initiated as a constitutional republic, which gives everybody a say to elect the leaders. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you know that that's the guy we put in there, so we can't complain that they're not the leader we want. So it, it probably was more where people would submit to the authorities that they, they themselves had a part in the putting in power when it first started than now. It's, and that's it's common for for our government to be referred to as a democracy, but actually it, it isn't. Democracy in itself is is a little more chaos than, than what our government was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a democracy is that everybody has a has a has a say in what goes on, and really we don't. We're not supposed to have a say. We're supposed to have a vote. <clears throat> democracy. Everybody would basically vote on everything, mm-hmm. versus the constitutional republic is you you elect people that then they get to make decisions for you. You aren't directly the one making the decisions. You put the person in the place of. There's so, so many cultures that don't want democracy. That, and we go over and try and get Iraq freedom and all these different countries, and, and they're, they don't want that. They're, they're used to 
they're not used to this freedom or democracy. They want the, the way they, their culture, the way they were raised. And, you know. Well, it's outside of their paradigm. I mean, it's outside of how they view the world. Yeah. It because in in their world, there you have a king. You have somebody who makes the decision for you, and you maybe don't like it, but it's what it is. And and they have all the might, and they have <clears throat> so to so to come in and give them a a form of government that really will only ever work with godly people in the midst of it. Because it, it it has to come from somebody who has a moral compass that makes right decisions. If you give the authority that we give our government to ungodly people, we get what we have today, which is a mess. And getting worse by the day. The other thing, too, though, is... I, I don't know... I don't, I don't know too much about other cultural regions, religions, things like that. But the one thing that we have are lobbyists. Mm-hmm. And you know what that is. Constant debate. Mm-hmm. And it's one big argumental back and forth, slander, slander, slander. So I don't know if like the whoever other people, all these other, you know, countries, things like that, do they have lobbyists? And that's a huge thing too. Well, in other countries, when they when they form a democratic or a, a, a you know what we have, they actually get into fist fights because that's you know it isn't about debate; it's about still about you know might makes right, you know, which which I think actually should happen in our. <laughs> it would straighten out a lot of things if they just go for it and just start punching each other. I'd like to watch it anyway. I think you have to cut a lot out of this tonight, Greg. A lot of anti-rebellious talk. <clears throat> so, uh, here Paul is talking about working together as a group. Because he knows that if everybody does what they want to do, there will not be unity. Um, and <laughs> the deal is he's working with Cretans. And so, they all have an opinion, apparently. They all... Uh, they all argue. They're not necessarily obedient. They're not submissive. Uh, they do speak evil of each other. They do quarrel. They are not gentle, so on and so forth. So, okay, well, Paul needs to teach them that. And within the church, you know, and, I, and I'm jo- I was I was jokingly pushing some buttons in our church. In, in and I can only speak for us because it's the only one I've, that I'm a part of and, and and know people within. Our people are amazing. I mean, if you if you cast a vision in front of them, yes, everybody has an opinion, but everybody hears from the from from God, and and they're and they're hungry to do what He wants, and and that's how this works. Is if we walk in love, we don't have to have, we don't have to have an argument about it. We all know, okay, well, this is what we really should be doing. You know, I can say that we all should be witnessing on a regular basis. Now, we don't always witness on a regular basis. But we all we all really kind of know we should anyway. I mean, we know that that's really what the word says. So we don't have to be convinced to do it from a from a um, philosophical standpoint. Now to actually do it, that is the next step. <clears throat> but so far here in the first three verses, we definitely all of this stuff could be taught in the twenty first century church nothing has been lost 
in the 2,000 plus years since Paul wrote this. Verse 4. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our, of our of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so it was by the grace of God. It's not because we're good in ourselves. We just aren't. We're not, we don't have the ability in and of ourselves to do good things. Uh, it's only by his grace. It's only by his mercy. Um, but in that, when we receive his mercy, we receive an amazing gift. And that gift obviously is salvation. But what is salvation? You know, defining what salvation is, what what sal- what, what is salvation? Does anybody know? Has everybody anybody ever heard that teaching or done a study on what what specifically salvation is? I've heard you say it before. Corey. Somebody else asked. Mm-hmm. I think it was you. Eternal life. And- so it's eternal life. So salvation is. Is being saved from eternal death. Yep. So eternal life. Okay. And uh, rewards. Rewards. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's one way you could say it. Mm-hmm. Well, that includes uh, deliverance, prosperity, healing. It, it's a it's a a word, and I believe the word is sozo is that it is, it's a word that includes everything. Everything that is good, everything that is pure, everything that is holy, that we receive it. So if, if we lost it at the fall, if we lost it at Adam and Eve's fall, we regained it in Christ. So that means all the calls, all the giftings, all the anointings, we have the, sta- the same status now, by legal right, the same kind of life. We can have the same kind of life that Adam and Eve were created to have. That's what we have right to. That's what we've, we're heirs to that, which means we inherited it when Jesus died. You know, and there's and I think it's Hebrews that talks about that unless someone dies, you don't inherit anything. But once they die, then you actually inherit it. So it isn't that we're waiting to inherit salvation. We're not waiting to inherit sozo. When he died on the cross, we became heirs with him. When we when we accept what he did at the cross, when we be, when we become part of the kingdom of God, we inherit sozo, which means, and, and another word uh, that people can you, that you can intermix in here is shalom, peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Everything that is from God, we have. So that means right now, right now, we don't have to wait till heaven. We don't have to wait till later. We don't have to wait one more minute. We can have sozo, and in that is healing. In that is 
provision. In that is protection. When we, when if you remember at all any studies that we've done about about uh, blood covenant, whether it was last year during during the uh, the theology teachings uh, or the very first class, none of you were there. Maybe you were there. Maybe the, maybe the three of you were there when I did blood covenant in the very first Wednesday night Bible school class. Uh, we went through the the book, the Scarlet Letter. And talking about what is blood covenant, because the blood covenant is what everything is based upon. When Jesus died, he fulfilled the blood covenant. And one of the things, or the the list of things that we received through that blood covenant was everything that's God's is ours. Everything that's ours, we give to him. So we give him junk, (laughs) filthy rags. Uh, torn up life, a mess. He gives us everything. Everything pertaining to life and godliness is ours. And he doesn't give it to us when we get to heaven. He gives it to us now. Why don't we live that way? That's the question. Why don't we live that way? What do you guys think? What you said is hard to believe. <laughs> it really is. When you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, do I deserve all this? I'm not deserving of this. A lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Which is actually true. We don't deserve it. And that yeah, it's kind of a it's a it's cyclical reasoning where we don't deserve it, and we know we don't deserve it. But if that's the basis of us receiving it, then we're not going to receive it. So we have to understand that it isn't because we deserve it that we get yeah. to receive it. And that, it's, we have an enemy that's playing both sides here, trying to mm-hmm. tell you that uh, that you don't deserve it, and you know you don't deserve it because you know you don't get it by deserving it, and, and so basically you get your mind going in circles with that. What a, that that song! What a glorious day it will be when we all get to heaven. <laughs> well, Pastor Dan Dennison, he hates. <clears throat> need to wait till we get to heaven. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. It, we have everything now. The, you know, the reason we don't have it now is we don't believe it. We don't believe it for because it's too good to be true. Well, we don't we don't believe it because well, how come nobody I know is living that way? Um I love the line. I probably quoted it here. You know, we can't make it through the the fire swamp, and, you know. It's impossible to get through the fire swamp, and, it's in, and the masked man says, "Princess, the only reason everybody says it's impossible to go through the fire swamp is that no one ever has." And that's the same thing with this. It's, we don't do it because we don't see anybody else living that way. If we would would have people who are living that way then the next wave of people will live like that and then even more. And that's my goal. That's our goal, is to live like sons and daughters of God. We should be living this way. Healing should be every day, every moment of every day. We should be experiencing healing. We should be experiencing all of our needs met. No lack. No lack whatsoever. Why do we experience lack? Because we have an enemy who's trying to pound us and saying, you don't deserve it. You can't have it here. You, God didn't mean that. And, and you hear all of these, these lies. 
That's where the battlefield is. Um, you can't have healing now. Why? Well, because you had a cold last week. See, you don't have healing now. Just because I didn't experience it last week doesn't mean that I can't experience this experience it this week. I don't understand everything yet, but I know I'm sick. I'm sick less and less all the time. The older I get, and the more I know about the Word of God, and the more faith I put in Him, I'm sick less and less. Very seldom do I get sick. When I do get sick, it's usually because I've gotten lazy or I've taken my eye off of of continually believing and to and continually fighting because it is a fight or something. Okay, well, let's get back on track. Provision. I lack no good thing. I there, I, sh- I I believe I have everything I need. Well, there's a lot of things I want. There's a lot of things that I'm believing for that are bigger than me. But I'm not believing anymore for my daily needs. I know he's going to meet every one of my needs according to his riches and glory. I don't remember the last time we were close to not paying a bill. I don't remember the last time where where 15 years ago or 20 years ago. It was pretty much every week. Living paycheck to paycheck. And the church has been going through that cycle. Part of it is... is you know, for, I've been now the pastor for uh, for 13 years, the senior pastor. For the first 10, we were struggling. We were sucking wind every week. I mean, it was just like, okay, God, do we even keep the doors open? Well, you know, what's your will? I'm ready, you know, if you want me to give up, I'll quit. And just kept fighting and fighting and, and, and would pray that. You know, I prayed that more than anybody knows. Do we do we keep going? Do we do we open the doors again? You know, and every time I would pray it, the Holy Spirit would say, "Of course, I didn't tell you to stop. I didn't tell you to quit. I didn't tell you to give up." And so, by faith, you just keep you put one one more step in front. And and even when we were sucking wind, He met all of our needs. So what you're saying is, the church was sucking wind until three years ago. Mm-hmm. Right when I started coming? It's because of you. Uh, I, think <laughs> I think I see a, a, a common denominator. Uh-huh, exactly. Well, when when you guys came, and you and, and others, it was because we, we actually were dwindling for years. We were dwindling. And for the whole folks who have been here for a while, you, you they know that. But something changed three years ago. It just all of a sudden started changing, and all of a sudden there were more people coming, and people were staying. There was the money situation. The uh, we were in debt for years and years and years. We had we had borrowed on a line of credit just to keep the doors open, believing we were supposed to keep moving forward, and couldn't pay off that debt, and couldn't pay off that debt. Um, I'll you know it doesn't really matter, but I've, I've said I've shared this with a number of people, and this is this is ancient history now. Three years, <clears throat> but about four years ago, we were fifty thousand dollars in debt. We had borrowed fifty thousand dollars and kind of paid some of it back, but still, we were in. We were thirty. I think it was thirty-three or thirty-six thousand dollars in debt going into the summer of three and a half years ago. So going into that summer, and during that summer was some really dark days. Just days you just you want to quit. You just want to give up and go. You know what? Forget it. This isn't worth it. Let's just sell the place, pay off our debts, and, and quit. And but you know you're not supposed to. You know 
by faith, you just keep moving forward because God didn't tell us to quit. God didn't tell us to give up. You have every reason to do so, but you know, but against all wisdom, you just keep moving forward. And in the summer, a number, a series of things happened, which doesn't matter the specifics of it, but we had to make some decisions and some things happened that summer, so on and so forth. And when fall hit in September, September, October, November, you looked in your uh, your minutes of your of your uh, Diana keeps the minutes of our meetings uh, leaders meetings and on Saturdays um, and we had talked about we had prayed about we I mean, we've been praying about it for years in the midst of all that and in three months the whole debt was paid off. It was paid off by January twenty thirteen. Yes, I mean it was just it was miraculous. I mean we would laugh because it's like where's all this money coming from. It wasn't that there were a ton of new people. It wasn't that somebody didn't become a millionaire. It didn't, you know, it wasn't nothing extraordinary, seemingly, in people's lives was happening. But it was just like all of a sudden there was just money flowing in. Just like it was like a flood. And in three months, the whole debt was paid off. And we've not been in debt since. Now, we've, we've borrowed money from ourselves we don't. We 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 have a line of credit, but we use it for some very small things. Like we just bought the church van. We just bought the church van uh, two months ago, maybe now, two two months ago, and we borrowed uh, thirteen thousand dollars from our cell. I mean, we borrowed thirteen thousand dollars to buy the van. It's paid off this week. Two months and thirteen. We, we, above and beyond everything that's going on, we paid off the church van in two months. That's the kind of that, that's. That's provision. I mean, that's miraculous provision. That's just, that's fun. That's fun to be a part of seeing the flow of God. But we walked through 10 years of pain. But I believe in those 10 years, God taught us some things. Taught us about not giving up. Doesn't matter what it looks like. So, I'll just, I don't know, do you guys ever look at the the giving statement in the bulletin? Mm -hmm. So, what was the offering two weeks ago? (laughs) <laughs> 2000 something we've never in 15 years that I've been here and I've been here over 15 years we've never had a $2,000 offering so here we are moving along we're moving along and then two weeks ago I Deb did the books and she went it was a $2,000 offering and I just started laughing because it's like you stupid devil you can't steal from us You, if you steal from us we get more back we, 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 so we, we learn some things. We don't, we don't get rattled anymore. We don't freak out. So we had this $2,000 offering, which normally would sink you. It's like if you got a third of your, your paycheck next week, it could sink you. Some people go homeless because of something like that. Well, we just started laughing. We started proclaiming, no, that's just, that, that's, I don't know what that was, but Satan, no, we're not, we're not going to get rattled. We're not going to freak. That money is coming in, and th- forgot their pen. That's <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows what happened? But the cool thing is, and, and like I say, I mean, it's it's definitely people who give, but our our source is not people. You know, that's just like, you, it, it, yes, it's your your place of employment that writes your check, but your place of employment's not your source. God is your source, and so we just started proclaiming truth, and the truth is. We are amply supplied. We have more than enough. And uh, 
This week, you'll see in the bulletin, it was over $12,000 in the offering. And that paid off the church van. Boom. We just we took a, a huge chunk of that, or she did, and, and paid off the church van. Plus, there's enough in the in the checkbook. We could also pay off something else that we had we had just we had borrowed from ourselves. It was just money that we have in a set aside that we used to, to pay for something last year. It's not that we're but we don't pay a dime of interest on it. But so here's we're talking about real things, but those real things are based on salvation. Salvation means God is in charge of, 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 of supplying for us. God is in charge of paying for your bills. Why? Because you're in covenant with him. And when you're in covenant with him, it isn't that you just go, I'm going to sit in the lazy boy and I'm going to, I'm going to sleep all, day, all week long and I'll just, there'll be a paycheck, I'll come in the mail. No, we go out and we do our work, but he provides the increase. He's the one who is our source and we can trust him. And those are, that's salvation. Salvation is not just, I I don't go to hell, which is, that'd be great. I'm glad we're not going to hell, but it's, it's provision, it's blessing, it's, it's healing, it's, it's all the things pertaining to life and godliness. All right. That was, I think another part of, you know, why we don't, don't experience it is, um, it's one thing if you don't believe that, that we have those things available to it, to us, but I think a lot of the problem that we don't realize is that we also believe other things, and when we believe things that are contrary to the Word of God, and we try and make that fit with it, and it doesn't fit, then we get ourselves into unbelief. Um, I don't remember all the context of it, but there was a, one person that um, Jesus interacted with that uh, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of says that one isn't the opposite of the other in in the way where unbelief isn't not believing; it's believing in other things too. Um, uh, in Romans, it talks about um, by faith Abraham received the promise; he believed God, and he didn't count um, the fact that his body was so old and that Sarah was so old that he didn't consider those things to try and make it fit with the promise in order to produce the outcome. He just believed God. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he didn't regard the things that were conventional wisdom, I guess, and what his eyes would see and, and what worldly thinking would, would tell you. So um, in, in many cases, at least my experience has been that it's not that I don't believe what the word of God says, it's that I'm trying to believe something else at the same time that doesn't fit with it, and that's why something doesn't work for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. So verse 6, we already read this, but for whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But to avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So we're supposed to focus on the fact that we're heirs in him, that he has given us salvation, that he has a plan and a purpose for our life. Don't worry... 
excuse me, don't worry about all this other stuff. And in in the church in Crete, it was controversies, foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels. But in any other church, it could be anything. You name it. It could be all kinds of garbage. Any Stuff that's worthless. But what we need to be talking about and, and to be uh, focusing on is the life of God, the plan and purpose of God. Verse 10, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So, this is actually, uh, Paul is talking to a pastor. He's talking to Titus, somebody who's leading the church in Crete. And he's giving him an instruction here that I've actually had to use. There are people who stir up division. They, they, they're there to cause trouble for whatever reason. You know, and, and I'm, I'm always sensitive because there are, people can have a bad day. They can. People can just have a bad day, and, and 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 or something is you know is troubling them, or they're whatever it may be, and they react to things. We're human beings. I react to things. I don't always uh, I don't always answer gently when when things don't go my way. I remember a number of years ago, I was I preached a sermon, and it must have been a good sermon because it stirred up. A, uh, a few people and the first person caught me just before I even left the pulpit so I, I dismissed and everybody's putting chairs away and somebody walks up and they chewed me out about something I had said I mean chewed me out really just yelled at me and I, I'm sitting there okay and I'm just thinking there's something happened and I'm just I'm, you know somebody just had a bad day and I just I just took it you know that I'm so spiritual you know, I didn't argue. I didn't didn't snap back. I just listened to him. I was like, okay, okay, because I can usually take it. I can take it pretty well. And then I made it past the door, and then somebody else caught me and chewed me out about something else. Just rah, 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 rah. I know that you're 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 just, I mean, shocked that that could go on here at River Valley, but they just rah, 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 just chewed me out. Really, two in a row. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't about the same thing. It wasn't like it was a pattern. It was just like it was a pattern that the people were being snippy. And I listened. I just, you know, nodded. Okay, well, I understand. Okay, I don't remember what it is now. It doesn't even matter because they were wrong. So I don't listen to them. (laughs) And finally they walked away and they seemed to be satisfied that they had said everything they were going to say. And I walked out into the foyer and a third person. But this person made the mistake of being very close to me. It's not one of my relatives, so it was not Deb, but somebody who knows me, has known me for 20 plus years, 20, 25, 26 years, very close, very close related, came up and started snapping at And I looked at the person and I said, you know, I'm going to take this from other people, but I ain't taking it from you. And I chewed her out. And afterwards I felt bad because that's not the way I'm supposed to react, is it? So it is possible that somebody has something going on in their life and they react a certain way. Well, and that's where we need to love people and forgive and and assume they don't that they're not uh, doing it because they're mean, cruel, and rotten. It's just that they're you know stuff's going on in their life and they have an opinion and and they don't feel like their opinion's being heard. Okay, that's different 
than somebody who's trying to stir up division. Because there are people, there are people, and I've met a number of them, who all they want to do is cause, cause trouble. Now, they may not even know it, but there's something in them, whether it needs to be delivered, <laughs> you know, deliverance, or if it's just something so deep in them that they are just, they're just, tr- they're just trouble causers, you know, uh, troublemakers. And I've met a handful of them. I've met people that, and, and this verse has come in handy because that's the guide that I use. If they come in and they're causing trouble just to be causing trouble, you warn them once. If they do it again, you warn them a second time. If they do it again, they're gone. And the the hardest part about that is knowing the difference between somebody who's really divisive and somebody who's just having a bad day. Because there is a difference. And the only way for me to be able to tell that is by the Holy Spirit. You know, what's the... What's the what's the spirit that they're doing this out of? It's, don't, don't you think sometimes though, when someone is is, is has a, they're, they're divisive like that, don't they have it, it's like they they, are, like, they almost go underground? They're oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and and they'll nibble away at the bottom mm-hmm. until the whole thing falls apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one guy specifically years ago, he would never do it in front of me. But he was, he was constantly going to other people and being divisive, stirring up trouble, pushing their buttons, chewing them out. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. This is a new person who just walks in the church and they're already they're yelling at people, chewing them out for praying wrong or saying the wrong thing. Or, and it's like, what in the world? But they would never do it in front of me. So everybody was coming to me going, this person keeps doing this. And I said, well, you don't have to take it. And I said, tell them to come and talk to me. Oh, no, they won't. You know, they aren't going to come and talk to you. I said, well, you know, it's kind of like this thing, too. I can't deal with something that I don't see. You know, just because you think somebody's being a jerk, well, that's your opinion. I mean, if I see it, then I can deal with it. And I'm very careful not to, not to take somebody else's, because, you know, what, what's going on there? Somebody, you know, two people are having, a, having it out. For, you know, because you get a bunch of people together, as much as we'd love to believe that our church is perfect in every way, and it is extremely loving, there are times when we get on each other's nerves, just like families. And so there's the times when you're getting on each other's nerves, and there's a time when somebody's really being divisive. And so most of the time what people are thinking are, okay, it's just they're just getting on each other's nerves, and they got to deal with it, suck it up, f- figure it out, you guys go work it out, just like I tell my kids. But the Bible says don't, don't take uh, an accusation against someone unless there's two or three witnesses. And so I have to see it. I, I need to be able to hear it. So I'll, as soon as I find out that there's something like that going on, and it's in, in all, both churches I've been in over the last 20 plus years, 22 years, it's only happened four times. Only happened four times. This is not a regular occurrence. This is... This is a specific something's going on. Something, something is up. And I've talked about this before in different, for different reasons at different times. And every time it's happened, I've, when I finally have, when I have evidence that it's happening, I go to the person and I say, okay, here's what's going on. I know you did this. I know you're saying this. I know you're doing, making this accusation and you're stirring up trouble here and there. 
stop. Don't do this. And the person always apologizes. Every time, all four times, the person has apologized. And then they do it again. Why do they do it again? Because it's in them. They, they can't help but do it. That's It's who they are. It's a difference between somebody who who does something wrong and you go, don't do that. And they go, yeah, I'm sorry. And they, and they, they truly change. They, you know, they, they didn't do it because it's part of their character. I warned the person and they, within weeks, they did it again. They did it again. I went to them a second time. I said, okay, you just did it again. Stop doing this. The next time it happens, you're gone. And they would do it a third time. And on the third time, it's like, get out the door. I, I don't want you, you're, you're gone, and don't come back. Um, only one person have I told them that they could come back if they came back and made it right, and the person hasn't darkened the door since. But you, you hate doing that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just, that is the least thing that I like to do, least enjoyable. I mean, I hate it. It's not that, you know, we're not here to drive people away. We're here to bring them closer to Christ. I would love to see people repent, but... Those four people would not repent, and they, they just and they still to this day have not repented. So, proof. All right, so that's what Paul's talking about here. There's a way of doing things, and you can see he didn't just do it the first day, first time somebody's. He's saying, "Hey, work with them, work with them, try to help them out." But says in verse eleven, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned, and that is, I've seen that to be true. Verse 12, when I send Artemis or Titius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to, to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way, seeing that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cause cases of urgent, so, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So, in the end, it's all about. Diana, you want to say hi to Joe? He's at the gate. We're done. Oh, he fixed it in like fifteen minutes. He found the problem. You're a wizard. He's a. He's a. You're a guru. You're is this being recorded? Joe Joe Hackett is a guru. Let's make it. What's this mean? Titius. I just read about Titius. Ah, his brother. His brother Titius, yes. The book of Titus. Titus 3. And having names called it to you. With Loey? Nice. Not nice. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joe. We we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Easy. Oh, it was such an easy fix, and it would have taken us months to find that problem. It was the ground switch on the direct box of the violin. No way. 
Uh-huh. And, and, and it, it was it, causing all of that havoc. Did he take like a divining rod and it just kind of pointed to that connection? He or? was back in the sound booth messing with stuff, and he said, where's the violin box? I don't know how he figured it out. And we went and unplugged it, and everything was fixed. He's got a to back it up. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. We haven't had monitors for two three weeks, weeks now. Two, two weeks. weeks. So what, uh, so was that a new wire? You decided to put a new wire in it or what? No, it was the switch, <clears> not <throat> the direct box. It was put in the wrong place. It was put in the wrong place. Had to be on... Ground. I should go look where it has to be. Yes, take a picture of it. <laughs> Make note. Take a picture. Yeah, take, take a picture. This is how the, the boxes are supposed to look. This is supposed to look where. Yep, exactly. Alrighty. Any other thoughts? There's one, one more uh, thing under salvation that I remember. Ooh, yeah. controversy. It probably could be a sermon. Sweet. Uh, you know, protection, provision, healing, and prosperity. Mm-hmm. That would be another one, right? Yep. Yep. Prosperity. People get all freaked out about prosperity. Yeah, it's why a lot of people, oh, you go to that church that teaches prosperity. <laughs> we live in a country that teaches prosperity. I don't, I don't know why people get all freaked out about it. It's it's all about, it, I God is a God who is more than enough. He's more than enough. He he has the ability. Uh, uh, Joshua says he is the God who who gives me the ability to produce wealth. God has no limit in every area. Salvation has no limit. Uh, eternal life has no limit. Uh, healing has no limit. Why would prosperity be limited? The difference is that people are conditioned to believe that rich people are bad. And because a lot of them are. A lot of them are selfish and a lot of them are. But we don't have to be. Godly rich people. There's a lot of godly rich people who are extremely amazing people. And are very uh, uh, benevolent. And very kind. and, And take care... That you, you just don't hear about them because they also don't blow their own horn. You know they don't they don't uh, announce it from the from the rooftops. <clears throat> you know we have some people in our church who are very benevolent, very giving people. You just you wouldn't know who they are because they don't talk about it. They don't you know they don't make a big deal out of it. Well, that's prosperity God wants us to have more than enough one of his names one of the one of the names he calls himself is El Shaddai El Shaddai means the God who is more than enough more than enough more than you need and why do why does he want to give us more than we need so that we can give to others so that we can be a blessing to others and and so the whole idea of of being excessively rich you know if, if our if our purpose to do that is so that we can be excessively rich well we're doing it for the wrong reason but if we're doing it so that we can allow that the, the blessings of God to flow through us my goodness well that's a great reason uh, have you ever heard of McNeilius McNeilius steel McNeilius trucks McNeilius McNeilius out of Dodge Center Minnesota 
He is a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. Uh, if you drive, if you drive between here and Rochester, and you drive past Dodge Center, you see all the windmills. All of those windmills are his. Um, he's just he he is exceedingly wealthy. But if you just look at his wealth, you, people can get jealous and they think, "Well, see, he's just he's just another one of those rich guys." Well, what you don't know about him is the percentage of his income, the percentage of, of his wealth that he gives away. Every one of those windmills, when you're sometime, if you ever drive to Rochester, when you're driving past Cannon Falls, Dodge Center, right through that area, you'll see dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of windmills on both sides of the roads. They're all his. Each one, the money that is made off of each one of those windmills, goes to a different orphanage or hospital or school around the world. He doesn't put it in his own pocket. Every one of those windmills is 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 a fundraiser for missions. I mean, that's wealth. That's prosperity, exceedingly abundantly. Um, he's given millions. He gives millions every year away, but you don't see it on the news. You know, they they talk about Bill Gates giving away money and so and so giving away money, and well, yeah, but they're ungodly. You know, the, the godly people don't talk about it because the word says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. The only reason I know that what those are for is I know somebody who knows him personally. And I know that he, he told him, he says, I don't, I don't take a dime off of those things. Every bit of it goes to, to outreach and to ministries. So, yes, prosperity. I am a firm believer in prosperity, the prosperity message. God wants to bless us exorbitantly. But it's not so that we can be super rich and be selfish, and it's for us to be a blessing. Have you ever given a sermon? I can't remember. Um, Long time ago? Boy, I don't know. (laughs) Probably not. I should, shouldn't I? Part of it is, is, is my reaction to the excesses that I see. I believe that God wants us to be prosperous and blessed, but not everybody takes it that way. I mean, there, interestingly enough, there's even people in our church that have made statements like, yeah, I just, I just don't believe in, and I, I just can't believe there are pastors who believe in prosperity, and I'm sitting right here going, Nice to meet you. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Let me be your first. Well, I think part of it not only the looking at people that are wealthy and kind of secretly assuming that they're greedy or selfish or whatever, people fear it in their own selves. Like, yeah. well, if I ever got rich, then I'm going to probably be greedy and <laughs> all, the, all the bad qualities that you have to lump along with it in order to have the stereotype. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's, that's a healthy thing to assume. Yep. And I think the devil would want all of us to fear being prosperous because he doesn't want any of us to actually be that way. Yep. Well, and the more you fear it and the more you want it, that's how I think a lot of, because you only have so many rich people and the rest of the people are down here. And then that just causes them to sin more because they get a little bit and they like, hold on to it and they just... They worship that thing. They worship mm-hmm. that 
that dollar amount or that whatever that bot or whatever that item is. And so they just hold on to it so tight. And I think there's more of that than true prosperity. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of another thing is that sometimes Christians will believe that the path to prosperity is what the ungodly people's path to prosperity or what supposedly mm-hmm. prosperity is. And the stingy holding on to everything they get may have worked for somebody that's not following God, but that's actually not what we're supposed to do at all. And, and God gives us a different <laughs> different path, and, and generosity is very much a part of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more, prosperity isn't just money. No. It's, it's, to me, right now, my age is health. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm prospered because I'm healthy. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Amen. I mean, it's, it's health, and what else? Um, joyful, being happy. Mm-hmm. And, Amen. Yeah, actually, the holding on it doesn't matter. The, the The monetary amount in your bank account isn't the difference between what between being wealthy and being in poverty. The difference is what you do with it, how you handle it. Because I I know very rich people who are poverty minded, stingy, holding on to it won't miserly won't won't be generous won't won't even use it because they're afraid that if they use it they'll never have it again and so a very wealthy person can have a poverty mentality a a very uh, a person who doesn't have a lot I'll say it that way because because a, a person even who doesn't have a lot but has everything that they need to me is prosperous it isn't about the it isn't about the dollar amount, but if that person is generous with what they have, to me that, that they're prosperous. Um, I've also had people tell me that well, you can't teach the prosperity message in in oppressed or depressed areas. Well, the people in Sikahid, Romania, have they make four hundred dollars a month? Okay, so monetarily. They're not of. The, they're not among even close to the richest people in the world, but they have joy. They have. They're full of life, and they and they they have all of their needs, and they're they're able to give into other people's lives. That's prosperous. They're in in that in that place. They're extremely prosperous. It's it's relative. Prosperity is relative. Uh, what really set me free, because I, I struggled with it for years, because I, I always believed in prosperity. always believed that God wanted to prosper us. But I, I did have trouble uh, justifying the difference between America, with all the stuff that we have, and Africa, you know, the, the, the poorer places of Africa. Until I heard a, an African minister preach, and he said, he says, of course you can teach prosperity in, in Africa. Why would you not pros- teach prosperity? He says, we're not talking about somebody who's, that, that you're going to teach a Bushman that he's going to make $80,000 a year. Because you give an $80,000 a year to a Bushman, he doesn't know what to do with it. You could give him a Cadillac, and he would park it out behind the house and make it a chicken coop, because he doesn't need a Cadillac. He needs a chicken coop, and he'd have a very nice chicken coop, you know, but that it isn't about the monetary amount. He says, 
you don't give a car to a guy who lives out of the bush. He would not be prosperous. He'd be he'd be just as just as wanting with a big metal object sitting in his yard. He says, but you give him a bicycle with a bell? And that Bushman is now the richest man in the whole area because he can go wherever he wants to quickly. He says, he says, prosperity is relative. It's relative to where you are and who you are and what you're doing. And so I want God to, to bless us to, the, to, to what we need to do at the moment. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that we are right in the middle of God's will right now as a church, as a, as a group of people. And our needs are being met. I told him about the last couple of offerings, how we had the lowest offering ever, mm-hmm. ever since I've ever been here. And then the next week we had a really nice offering that paid off the van. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's prosperity. But... That's why we're really that's what? So, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. But if we needed, for some reason, if God put in our in our lap a situation where we needed five million dollars next week, I'm convinced he could get it to us. He's not limited by what we know, who we know, what we have in our hand right at the moment. He he could do anything. So if he doesn't do that, okay, well then I just trust him that we're right where I'm supposed to be, and we'll we have exactly what we need. You know, I mean, I, I also have I have lots of wants. I have a lot of things that I wished for. You know, that I'd love to have happen. But if we don't have it, you got to be content, otherwise it drives you nuts. <clears throat> so prosperity is relative. All right. Anything else? Who would like to close us in prayer? Diana? Yeah. Awesome. Father God, we thank you for this time that you brought us together here to study your word and to um, bounce ideas off of one another, Lord, and learn more of your, your will in our lives, Lord. We thank you for your provision for us, Lord God, and we thank you for your... Most of all, your salvation for us, Lord God, that um, you sent your son Jesus to die for us in our, in our places. And, and where would we be without that, Lord? We thank you so much for that. Lord, lead us in guidance through the rest of this week and, and uh, keep us safe as we go home and uh, as we come back together in Jesus' name.